When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Swimming Upstream, episode 56. I am your host, Kevin Barral, and I am here with Eli Sussman, a fish on founder of Fish on First. No Alex Carver today. We are going to be talking a couple stuff here. Uh, first, obviously, DJ Svilik no longer with the Miami Marlins, and we put out our Fish on First top 30 prospects list, the end of season update heading into the offseason, so we're going to talk about that. Eli, what's up? Excited to talk some minor league baseball. It feels like this is the week to do it. Right before, I guess we see all these roster transactions. Obviously, Marlins have to make up that have to make their forty man roster as they enter the off season. Yeah, I, I think we've almost made it through the dullest part. Not the, I guess the dullest part of the year is like Christmas and Thanksgiving, where absolutely nothing happens. But other than that, this is pretty down there in terms of just not just waiting on stuff to develop, especially in the Marlins situation where there's about to be a flood of rumors and such when it comes to this head of baseball operations search, but this early in the process, yeah, still a bit of a quiet period. So we fill it as best we can. So as always, make sure to like, and subscribe, follow us on all the social medias and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure to give it a five-star rating. So let's start with DJ Svelik, the Miami Marlins part ways with their director of amateur scouting. He is the one who uh, essentially drafts the players and he has been what he was with the organization since 2018 and departs after um, the season. I believe the first one who reported the news with Barry Jackson, then Isaac Azut, our guy Isaac Azut um, confirmed it and mentioned that they did not renew his contract. Um, Eli does really shouldn't be much of a surprise. The fact that he is now gone, especially with Kim, we expected him to not really survive this turnover in the organization. Uh, we're gonna play a quick game here. I went by, I went back and looked at all the guys that ended up going to the major leagues that Svillik drafted. So I don't. Do you want to include Kyle Hurt in this? He w- did not make it with the Marlins, but he did make it with the Dodgers. So this changes the answer. Do you want to include Kyle Hurt in this? Yeah, sure. He, um... So how many major leaguers and how many players that DJ Svillik drafted since 2018 ended up going to the big leagues? Well, you're counting 2018, and if you want to be technical about it, I don't think he was calling all the shots in the 2018 draft. I think it was really 2019 where he really put his hand on the steering wheel. But in the 2018 draft, there's only one or there's very few guys from that draft anyway that made it up. So if you include everything to this point, there will be more. But I guess to this point, I would guess 11 players. You're, you're close. It's nine. The 2019 draft actually had... One, two, three, four, five guys who've made the big leagues. That's the most yet. So, and then 2018 was fourth as an Alex Vessia. We'll include Vessia obviously in that 2020 shortened season. But yeah, I think the point stands. Um, he, DJ drafted Connor Scott. That was more of a Gary Denbo pick, but he was in the position already. He wasn't as when he departed the organization. JJ Bladet was his first real pick. That was his guy. 
Max Meyer, Khalil Watson, Jacob Berry, Noble Meyer. Out of those guys, Scott, Blade, and Watson are no longer with the organization. Obviously, still time for the other guys. Max Meyer is the only draft pick out of those first rounders that made it to the big leagues. Uh, Eli just, oh, and JJ Blade. I'm sorry. Your just overall thoughts on DJ's tenure, if you saw this coming, and what's next for this organization now that DJ is no longer here? Right. I am not surprised by the news. What I do want to reiterate is that it just takes so long to really grade these draft classes. As best as we know, it was really 2019 where he really took hold and had, even though he was in the organization before then, that's kind of when he got elevated to this position of calling some of the shots, especially in the early rounds. It takes time to develop these guys, especially if they're drafted out of high school. Um, So I think the concern is that they started to see some of these college players that they invested a lot in not panning out. Blade being just a great example of a player they thought was extremely safe, and yet just has at this point, he is a fringy big leaguer at best. And they dealt him while he still had a bit of positive value, but to see how much that decreased in just a few years based on his lack of development was really concerning. It goes hand in hand with the player development stuff. It really is unknowable how much of this is really picking the wrong players versus not putting those players in a position to get better when they were in the organization. And another aspect of that, though, uh, that went against DJ is understanding what your organization does well. Like there are certain types of players that are not going to be quite as successful in your organization as others, just based on what your instructors are able to teach them and improve with these guys. So in general, this is an organization that's done very well at developing players to become starting pitchers or starting pitching options. And there were times where he did lean into that. 2020 was a great example where they went all pitching with that. And uh, pretty much all those guys at least had a little smidgen of a chance to stick as starters moving forward. And it's, it just takes time for that stuff to play out where Max Meyer is a great example. He's barely pitched in the big leagues because he tore his elbow, but he's going to come back from that this upcoming season. And who knows where his career goes from here. So, So it was a mix of things. Um, and I, you don't want to like pin it too much on one guy, especially one that was one of the more recent picks, but the Jacob Berry decision was one that even in the moment, you didn't need a second guess. It's so just first guessing it. Um, it was perplexing. Uh, it's, it was hard to get on the same page in terms of what this organization was seeing that, um, we weren't when it came to amateur draft decisions in, in that particular case, just selecting players where it seemed that there were better options on the board where, just understanding the opportunity that they had, they entrusted DJ three different times with picks that were, I guess you could say now four. A lot of these were very early first round picks. These are guys where the upside you can pick from almost every everybody in the country when you're drafting three overall and six overall. These are opportunities that the Marlins might not have for a long time again, even if they are kind of, even if they don't bottom out. In, in rebuilds like these are rare opportunities and it doesn't seem that he really hit it out of the park with any of these super early picks so when you're entrusted with making these big decisions and you're um even early in this process it's kind of clear that they didn't get big difference makers needle movers here and it puts them in this organization where the situation where the organization just does not have a whole lot of homegrown impact players coming up through the system and that just leaves them with this it puts them in a, a big bind. If you don't develop your own like starting caliber players, above average players, then um, it's so expensive to acquire them from outside the organization. So yeah, I understand the move and we will see what direction they go from here. Because right now it is a void that the new head of baseball ops is going to have to fill. 
Yeah, this is, you know, this is one of those moves that was expected, as I think we've mentioned a couple times. And you look pat you you look at these past drafts, and it's just the first round picks is where it's really hurting because look at 2019, for example, those middle to late round picks have, have come up to really work out for the team. I mean, he's not that good, but Brian Hoeing's been on the big league team for a very long time, and he he's been a contributor there. Andrew Nardi, someone who is the Marlins' second best reliever on the team right now. Josh Simpson was also in that draft. He he made it up to the big leagues. Probably ends up making the twenty six man roster. Hopefully, opening day. And Peyton Burdick has turned out to, as the most the best raw power in this organization right now. That guy hits a bomb every game. And you look at it, and that's where he's really hit. And it, it kind of felt like the, also this twenty twenty three draft kind of felt like his last saving grace. I, I think you could make the case there. He he went really he went pitcher heavy. You know, in the draft that. Had some pretty good hitters. They passed up on guys like Kyle Teal. I believe they passed up on a couple guys there that are at the double-A level right now, or they were at the double-A level as the season ended. And he decided to go with Noble Meyer, and obviously not a bad pick by any means, but you would have kind of wished maybe go with the hitter, go with the go with the blue-chip prospect. This organization, aside from Yuri, hasn't had a single blue-chip prospect since – Christian Yelich, and I think that's a, that's that's a very long time ago. That's what 2013, 2014, Eli. Well, I think that's kind of revisionist history. When they acquired Lewis Brinson uh, in the Yelich trade, coincidentally, he was extremely high, highly regarded at the time yeah. as well. That was a number a former first round pick with a couple organizations ago. They've had in Sixto when Sixto was healthy, and right after they acquired him, like he was another blue chip guy. But of course, those guys were not drafted and developed by the organization. So that's, yeah, when you take away, if drafting your own guys through the the U.S. isn't going to lead itself to any of these impact players, then you either have to be dominant in the international market or you have to be really shrewd with the trades that you make. And the Marlins, they've had a mixed track record with the trades. Internationally, they had, Yuri has been their one breakout guy these last few years internationally. He wasn't even the top of his international class. He was kind of in the middle there. And for him to develop kind of beyond everybody's expectations, that a lot of people deserve credit for that. But that is a completely separate department than the than the uh, like the U.S. side of things. So right now, both of those departments under the new leadership are going to get shaken up. We already know with Adrian Lorenzo on the international side, moving on to pursue other things, and with DJ on the draft side, it's going to be a very different look. And frankly, there's there's not much you can go but up with this because it just as a whole organization, farm development operation on both sides of things, there was like a lot left to be desired. And they have made some trades recently to improve the major league team. They were simply unable to replace some of those guys by developing them. That's how you end up in this situation where it is by most people's accounts. It's one of the weakest farm systems in baseball. Yeah, and then the last thing I'll mention with the international scouting and the signing, I, I, I guess it's worth noting that you know they've been able to make most of their trades due to the signings they've made in this past year. Obviously, the most recently, look at the David Robertson trade, Ronald Hernandez, Marco Vargas. Marco Vargas, who I think signed for as low as you could possibly think, that guy is now going to be one of, one of the better prospects in the Mets organization. He's going to probably be a top 100 prospect very soon. Ronald Hernandez was the Marlins' best catching prospect in the organization. He can make the case up to that point, and he is now gone as well. I mean, 
Miami's been able to thrive off of the international market in terms of being able to sign these guys, develop them, and then trade them. And I think you would agree, Eli, that right now we're, the best part of the minor league system kind of goes back to the Dominican Republic, FCL, and even Jupiter. Yes, and it's not necessarily that those guys are guaranteed studs. It's just that we haven't seen them fail yet. That's kind yeah, of the exactly. unfortunate viewpoint we have to take, where if we haven't seen you fail, then there's still hope that you continue on like a positive trajectory. There have been too many of these guys that hit a wall at on the hitting side, especially at a certain stage of their development. They've taken the last few years, and we'll be. this is another thing. We'll be curious to see if it continues. The last couple international signing periods, they've stayed away from the big names. Ever since Yidi Cape, he was the last big-name, multi-million-dollar guy they signed internationally. Since then, they've just been spreading out the money. They've had those two DSL teams, DSL Miami and DSL Marlins. They've been just shooting their shot in so many different directions, going for quantity over perceived quality, just thinking that, um, at that young an age, those guys can really surprise you. That And that's another aspect that, that will take even longer to fully suss out. But yeah, there were a handful of those guys signed the last couple cycles that we think have pretty promising potential if they stay on track. And, you know, I was talking to, to Adrian, who, you know, we wish him the best. We wish him and DJ the best, both, you know, guys who supported this outlet a lot. They would help. They were very helpful throughout the years. And, um, you know, I was talking to him and he was telling, you know, and I, I don't know if this is just him saying it because obviously at the time he was still part of the organization, but he mentioned that this is going to be a signing class that's going to be very promising. You know, a lot of center field type prospects, a lot of catching prospects that are parts of the, that this organization lacks. And obviously we'll do a deeper dive once that they have when the once these signings are announced. And I believe a couple months, I mean, January ish, December ish. Mm-hmm. So once those are done, we'll we'll find out. And I guess it's worth noting before we move on to the top thirty, Eli, that the um I, Marlins are projected to pick nineteenth in the MLB draft. Yeah. So that is the lowest since two thousand and ten, as you mentioned. Since uh, Christian Yelich was the last since, player that dropped down there, so it just shows you that you know sometimes it's not the worst thing as long as you really do your work and come out with a player you're really confident in and in, in that spot. And then the last thing I'll mention before we move on to the top thirty talk is. Any names that kind of stand out to you when it comes to possible options for this spot that to, to take over DJ, or are you kind of worried more about the the president of baseball ops than going there? Right. Yeah, we will see how that plays out. Um, I I imagine they'll go outside the organization to bring in <laughs> Way better is going to uh, run that stuff. Um, yeah. So that that still is to be determined. Right there. Um, I, this is you just the easiest place is to look at organizations that have had a lot of success with the MLB drafts recently. And probably the very best example is the Baltimore Orioles where they've built up this incredible farm system. And almost all those guys are from the U S so many of them are ones that they've plucked out of this system. So whether the baseball operations head is one of those Orioles lieutenants or whether it is that they try to pry somebody from that entire infrastructure for the new amateur scouting position that places DJ. Um, There are other organizations that seem to have a consistent best practices for how to like interpret the amateur data that they get and get good value in the drafts. And I imagine the Marlins are going to be in that position where they are, they need a, they need help. They need outside counsel and outside ideas for how to get the best 
out of this group. Um, yeah, because that's the only way that it's going to be a sustainable good team is if you're able to do a whole lot better than they have been doing the last five years. We'll see what happens there, but um, we'll be, this was swimming upstream. Very weird. No Alex Carver, but hopefully to have him on soon. And uh, we'll have a lot of player prospects on here for, you know, off season content. So from Eli, myself, we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace out and go fish. <laughs>